Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Okay, fantastic. So, as I said, this is the third ever Sales Office Demystified webinar. Um, and the first one was a very good, <laughs> to be brutally honest, we don't think. But the second one, it was just me and Henry chatting. A few people who are registered here came and saw that. And we really enjoyed it, right? Yeah, um, very good. We kind of went over the basics of sales operations. Like a few people know I'm not that experienced in sales operations. Henry is. And then at the, it was after last week's, you yeah. said, I know this guy, Justin, yeah. who is, I quote, a sales ops ninja. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so here we have Justin. So today we're going to run for between 30 and 45 minutes. And, it, and we haven't really structured the conversation too much. We're really going to learn more about Justin, more about MerrillCorp, and more about how, the, how they run sales operations with the goal of giving everybody here an insight into, well, I, I don't want to say best practices, but an effective yeah. sales operations process. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, I think it, it can depend heavily on the business and what you're selling. But yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. So we are going to, we'll just check everything's okay with the sound and the picture. Josh, we good? Yeah, all good. Great. So um, if you have any questions, we have Josh here, who's outside of the camera, who is manning uh, the comments and questions. So everything will go through to him. If he sees a good question, well, I'm sure they'll all be good. He'll pass it to me and we can ask Justin. So if you have anything to add, please put it in the comments, either on Facebook, if you're watching or on Webinar Ninja, uh, and that will come through to us. So I think uh, here's like the core discussion points for today. Um, so I guess we'll kick off with Justin giving a brief intro to, I guess, himself and yeah. also Mar- Marable. Sure. Can I, can I just say something? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because I'm, I met Justin through through the London Sales Ops Meetup, and it's set up by Alex Williams and Kirsty Charlton, and those guys have been running their Sales Ops Meetup for like uh, four months, five, five months. Yeah. Um, and we actually had a meetup last night. So if you're in London and you're interested in sales ops, you should definitely come along. So we'll, we'll post a link up for that. So yeah, massive mm-hmm. thank you for those guys uh, organizing that. What time did you get home last night after the, the last meetup? Oh, very early. <laughs> very early. <laughs> uh, so yeah, over, over to Justin. Maybe just give you some quick intro. Sure, quick intro. Uh, so Justin Kersey, I'm the VP of sales here uh, in London for Mount Corporation. So covering the UK and the Nordics. Um, 
More recently, I was also looking after sales operations for EMEA, uh, so covering the theater from uh, just a sales ops support perspective. Um, Merrill Corporation, uh, our, our primary focus is due diligence in the EMEA community, so we have a SaaS application for due diligence. Um, so we, we focus heavily on the uh, M&A ecosystem. Is it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's for, it's like the deal room. Correct. So it's a virtual data room for uh, mergers and acquisitions. Right. So if I'm an investment bank and there's one company being sold to another company mm-hmm. and I'm facilitating the transaction, you have a piece of software that will help that people share information. To allow us to store that documentation pertaining to the asset being sold so yeah. that um, in the, any interested parties can do their due diligence before uh, potentially yeah. preparing bids. And, and because Google Drive is not good enough. <laughs> not hyper-secure. Like yeah. Yeah. So it's hyper-secure and there could be millions of, there could be millions of pages of documents Correct. that have to be checked by certain different people within the deal. Yeah, and, and so we can have really fine-grained user permissioning so that we control who can see what and then also report on who's looking at what throughout the course of the deal. Great. And how long have you been at Miracle? Uh, six, coming up on seven years now. Yeah. And what was your role when you came in? When I first came in, I was looking after, uh, I was actually looking after billing. And so, um, I was doing billing for one of our legacy, um, I guess, parts of the business that we've recently divested. Um, and through that sort of billing lens is where I kind of migrated into a sales operations role. So Mm -hmm. sales management wanted to know more about the business, about the pipeline, about, uh, what we were doing and estimating and what our opportunities looked like. And so I kind of migrated into a more sales operations focused role as a result of that. So were you the first, like, did that sales operations group form organically? And you thought A little bit. So we're a U.S.-based business. And um, so we hired someone to basically start a sales operations function in the United States and as a result of some of the work that I was doing here, I kind of migrated into that team as a, um, not a direct report, but working alongside the, the people that were running sales operations globally for Ameriport. So, so there were established sales ops people within the business? Uh, not prior to me joining, but they came in okay. while I, while, whilst I've been here. Do you think it's a relatively new role that's, that's, that's come on? I think so. Um, you know, I, I've come into it in the last three or four years. Um, prior to myself coming into it, I didn't really know um, much about it. And yeah. so I'm, I'm constantly learning every day. You know, we mentioned the meetup group, which is a great place to learn from other yes. you know, sales ops experts. Um, so for me, it still feels quite new. Um, it still feels like a bit of a buzzword for businesses that are looking to sort of scale and, and grow their sales organizations. They need, I think, sales ops to help sort of guide part of that journey. You need the expertise in this yeah. expertise. Yeah. That is, that's looking after the training, the technology, everything to do with the sales process. Exactly. The reporting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So it was the, the time between when you started and when you took on that new sales off role was how long? Uh, probably a couple of years. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so then for the last, well, actually, you've now moved out of sales operations. Yeah, towards management. the tail end of the last year, I've moved more into sales management as opposed to sales operations. Could you share with the audience what you think the difference between those two things is? Uh, that's an interesting question. I'm still learning what the differences are. Um, I think what I, I bring to sales management coming from sales operations is more of a metrics-based approach to sales. So I don't have uh, necessarily 
face-to-face sales experience, but what I have is the, the process. I have the, the, the eyes for the metrics and how to drive activity in the right places and how to measure that. And are we getting the results that we want to see as a result of that activity? Um, and that's kind of how I approach sales management, more activity and metrics-based as opposed to some of the softer skills that are involved in sales. Okay, cool. Which is still important, right? I think so, absolutely, yeah. Um, which do you, would you say that you're best at, Henry? The softer side or the metric-driven approach? Probably the softer side. Okay. Or the face-to-face stuff. So if I do sit next to Henry in the office at Edster and we have a BDR who you do coach, yeah. you might be watching, actually, Bruno, um, quite effectively, I think. <laughs> well, um, you sat right next to me, so it's, yeah. it's easy, isn't it? Um, cool. And so the, I, I understand that approximately 20, well, no, 40, over 40 salespeople in a year. It's around 40 now, yeah. That you are managing. Uh, so I manage around 10 folks at the moment. Okay. Uh, the but the, the wider sales team in, in a year is around 40 people. Cool. Um, and how's that? So from four years ago when they built the operations department, how, what's the growth of that team look like? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's, it's grown a lot. So I, I would say four years ago, we were probably looking at maybe half the size okay. across the year. Um, so we've, we've definitely had a lot of growth in the organization and as a result, um, you know, grown uh, as a business as well, which is great. And do you think the business is, is, uh, has utilized technology? Because the business is, has been around for a long time. Do you think yeah. they embraced technology took it on board and saw the value in, because, you know, you're crunching numbers in CRMs and yep. using the technology to your maximum. So we, we definitely started with a, a much leaner and lighter version of Salesforce than we have today. Um, a lot more additional information is coming into Salesforce um, as a result of, you know, external data sources to help us give a little bit of intelligence around accounts to our, to our reps so that they know um, the latest that's been happening with those accounts. Um, we've introduced some tools around, you know, just general sales process. So, um, quote to cash is, is a big one that we've implemented in the last couple of years, um, that helps, uh, you know, drive some efficiencies in the, in the, in the sort of sales process, but also feeds back to the organization some information that allows us to analyze how we're quoting and where we're successful. And, and we can start to figure out, you know, um, how we're pricing things a little bit more effectively. Mm-hmm. What do you think makes you an effective sales operations professional? Uh, again, a great question. Again, also, it's, it's you know you're, you're giving your own opinion about yourself. You kind of need, need someone else to give an opinion about you. Mm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but no one here has worked. This has been one of yeah, exactly. definitely failed people. So. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should get in a sales club. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're all upsell. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> um, I think I think um, understanding that the sales organization is a client for sales operations, so that is your most important customer. I think mm-hmm. um, that's a really interesting mindset, actually. Um, making sure that you're serving them with the information that allows them to be successful. Uh, it's a, it's a real fine line between rigid and regimented process that you have to put in place in order to get the information out of the sales organization and still allowing them to be sales professionals uh-huh. and sort of have the freedom to operate the way they like to operate. So that balance between those sort of two uh, competing perspectives is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and treating them as a customer, I think, is, is That's uh, really interesting. Is big. Did, you, did you, are you like aware of that paradigm? 
I think so, but we're a much smaller team. True. With a, a, you know, it's a we have a younger sales process, mm. definitely a younger sales process. So, yeah, I can, I can see how that rings true. And it must be quite like it must really help. You come into work in the morning and you're like your clients are not necessarily outside the organisation. Your clients are sat there mm. across the room. Yeah, that's really good. Um, quote that takes quote from a session, Josh. Get that down. <laughs> um, okay, so second piece on the agenda is actually looking at Mailcorp sales process. Now, I'm not sure if you how much detail you want to go into that. Um, yeah, so how do you do your prospecting? What kind of tools are you using? Um, yeah, so uh, we use a lot of the tools that are widely available. So uh, leveraging LinkedIn, uh, Sales Navigator, um, yeah. leveraging our existing database of uh, Salesforce. So understanding sort of what the lay of the land looks like in terms of the accounts that we have available to us, what the criteria of them look like, um, sizes of businesses, things like that. Because who, who, are, you actually, who are you actually selling to? So necessarily the people who are paying you the money. So predominantly, we, we sell through a channel of uh, the advisory community in, in uh, the MA ecosystem. So investment bankers, uh, MA lawyers, uh, private equity houses, and then some highly transactional corporates. Um, and so that's a very defined list of people that we need to... You're to like Manhattan. Sort of, yeah. Um, so we know who that community is, and, and um, it's about understanding you know, who's, who's in those organizations, uh, understand how they are laid out uh, from an organizational perspective, what teams people sit in, who they report to, who the decision makers are, um, how to identify potential rising stars within those organizations because they may become a decision maker yeah. later on down the line, um, and making sure that we just have a good map of who people are and what their role is in the organization so that we can follow them through their careers as sort of our salespeople grow through their careers. Who is like the question I ask you guys when I'm trying to understand who our customer is? When a sales call is booked with one of your salespeople and they check out the job title of that person, mm. who is the job title that they're most excited about having a call with? Um, that's a good question. Uh, it, it sort of varies because um, we, we have um, people that can be more senior at these advisory firms that may or may not have a decision, mm. uh, decision making ability. Um, but it tends to be a lot of the juniors that will sit on our on our services and our platform doing the work that uh, the, the deal requires. So they can also be an influence over a decision as a result of, I prefer sitting on this platform when I'm doing my work because it makes me more efficient. Yeah. So they can sort of uh, leverage their seniors to, to help guide that decision. Yeah, because to be, maybe the CEO of the investment bank is not that concerned about which software they use for the deal, but then the analyst is like, Exactly. Exactly. And how, how how much are you are you measuring activity? So obviously, it's quite relationship based. The mm-hmm. sales. So are you you know you want people to go out to dinner, yeah, take people out for breakfast, whatever it is. You're, you want face to face time. Are you also looking at how many emails they're sending, how many phone calls they're making? Less about emails and phone calls, but we do use that as a, as a guide. Um, it, it is more about face to face activity uh, demonstrations as well. Um, because it's a software product, we want to make sure that we're showing people our capabilities through the, the platform. Um, so we, we really have uh, a high importance on making sure that we demonstrate the software. Um, and then the usual sort of opportunities, win loss, that sort of thing. Okay. We do have a question here about territories and forecasting. Okay. 
I'd love to hear, and this is from Rajesh, I believe. I would love to hear how you go about forecasting and territory mapping gets complicated as it does when you encounter seasonality and stuff. Okay. Um, so I guess they're, they're somewhat linked. Um, looking at it from a territory perspective, um, we, we leverage a lot of data sources that tell us how active a community might be in m and So uh, sources like Merger Market that tell us um, what the announced deals for a particular country or region look like. And that gives us a guide of how much activity there is in that space that we have to sort of right-size our coverage model as a result of that. How do you deal with uh, deals that fall into other geographies? If, it's, if you think it's happening in London, but actually it's happening in New York, do you have to you know, give her away to the US? It happens a lot, and then yeah. and then we get into some, uh, mm-hmm. some clever sure. split discussions. Okay. Um, but yes, particularly in, in Europe, we have a lot of cross-border deals where uh, an investment banker in London might be hired for a French corporate that's trying to sell itself. So um, what we try and do is surround the deal by making sure that that investment bank is covered. If we if we get access to knowing who that corporate might be, then we will uh, call on the local rep to make sure that they're also speaking to the corporate to surround that deal as a whole. Because ultimately, you just have to you're doing anything to win the business. You know the, the details around who benefits from it internally is not the it's not the client's problem. It's your problem. Right? That's right. Yeah. Do we have another question? We do. Rajesh is back. How do you map accounts to someone who presume just joined to your sale at Midway? How do you allocate accounts? Mm, is that about distributing? Um... And then the recommended sales engagement platform mm-hmm. from Jamie. Okay. So that'd be interesting. Justin, do you do you get this question here? Would that mean that someone who's joined the team and you have to give them join my sales team? Mm-hmm. Um, so we leverage definitely LinkedIn, uh, so we can use uh, LinkedIn to understand who sits in what teams in, in different uh, either you know, law firms or investment bank. Use an investment bank, we can find out what team they sit in and at what level they are if they're an associate up to MD. Um, and and so starting there as a starting point is how we start to sort of I guess pull the list of of who we know. And then it's about those face-to-face interactions. So as I'm speaking to someone uh, within that account, I'm asking for introductions. I'm asking for, do you have any other members of the team that I should uh, meet with? Are there other teams that you can introduce me to? Uh, and leveraging those personal connections that you build uh, to start to map out what that organization looks like from a, a personnel perspective. Yeah, there was there was something that you were talking about the sales process here mm. with the relationship and opportunities. Yeah, so that, that's Anything else, Henry, that you're interested in in the sales process? I mean, what, what's your typical sales process? How long can it take? Uh, it's very quick. So we're, we're highly transactional as a result of the nature of what we do. So um, M&A transactions can happen spur of the moment. Um, so if we're speaking about the advisory community, it can be as short as 30 minutes sales cycle. So somebody calls and says, I have a deal and we can demonstrate, put a quote in front of them. And, and within an hour, we've spun up a new uh, data site. Um, when we're looking at corporates who are going down a path of, of maybe a longer cycle of um, uh, divestitures, for instance, then maybe we want to um, get in there and show them the, the platform, give them some certainty around you know a longer term subscription kind of model 
Um, so that might be a bit longer sell cycle as we sort of navigate through their procurement process. Um, but certainly through the advisory community, it can be, it can be very, very quick. So what about so what about the most successful salespeople in the organization? What are they doing differently compared to others? I, I think it's just um, I think it's just diligence and and um, having having a set cadence of what you're going to do each day. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys that have a plan of this is what I do at this time of the morning and this is what I do each day um, and and measuring themselves against what they've set out to do mm-hmm. throughout the course of a week, a month, a quarter. Yeah. Um, I think that sort of self-reflective uh, visibility of what I've set out to accomplish and measuring myself against it, I think that's what um, yeah. makes a really, really successful seller. Because to be successful, you have to consistently do these things every day. Exactly, exactly. Which is that parallel. That's pretty much the same for like outside of sales as well. I, I think, think so. If you want to like think focused and yeah. discipline. Like Henry's really good at cycling, right? Probably because you cycle consistently. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, we have a couple of questions. Um, actually, one question leads very nicely onto uh, how people train the sales team, um, and it's about the perfect onboarding process. Mm-hmm. Could you elaborate? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we've perfected the onboarding process, but we what we want to obviously do is is um, make people effective as, as quickly as possible, and. Mm-hmm. The ways in which we do that is we have some online training tools, which is you know videos, um, some reading content, and then some some questionnaires and tests essentially that talk about um, our products, uh, our service, uh, who our customers are, what the buying personas are, so that people can start to relate to who they're going to be speaking to as a customer. Um, do you use a piece of technology for the onboard for that particular video? Document onboarding because there are there are providers out there. We do, and I'm struggling for the name at the moment, but it's okay. a plugin for Salesforce that's um, yeah, sort okay. of it, it's a guided learning process yeah. that um, you know as a manager we can view where they are through the process, um, understand how how complete they've got it, and, and whether or not they're answering the questions to a proficient. Also, you can have tests in there as well. There's tests in there as yeah. well to sort of gauge their proficiency as okay. they go through it. And how much how much content is it? Is that, is that like a day's worth, a week's worth? How, how, how much? That is usually a couple weeks worth. The first couple of weeks is is sort of a guide for uh, how long we would expect to to, mm-hmm. to get through that. And they can always go back and revisit at any point. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Um, okay, I hope that whose question was that? Who was the onboarding question? Oh, sorry, have we answered your question there? And so, um, so after that process of some of the online learning, we also um, we get them to sit with our inside sales team so they can hear um, how they're doing cold calling and, and what sort of the scripts that they're using with clients yeah. looks like. Um, they sit with our services team so they can understand uh, some of the day to day requests that we get from uh, clients on live transactions. Um, again, it's, it's really about filling out the context of, of the people that we're speaking with from a, from a client perspective. Um, and then we put them through a, a, a demonstration uh, accreditation. So um, are they going to be proficient with how they demonstrate the product? Are they going to ask the right questions? Are they going to show the right things? Are they going to use context as they demonstrate the product and, and use some storytelling so that um, they create the right kind of impact as they as they show the software to any prospective yeah, users. Don't just you know turn up and throw up. This is what this button does. It's it's more about telling the story so that the the, the customer you're bringing the customer along for that journey of mm-hmm. I can see why this would be an effective tool for you to yeah. use. When you saying that in our first the first webinar we did about the demo, 
Yeah, it's not yeah. about just showing everything. No, no, you got to show you got to show just a couple of things. Yeah, and you know that's what you hope is going to go on the interest, and hopefully give you enough to go on. Cool. Um, more holistically about training, I think we just spoke about the onboarding process, but then once someone is in, what, what if any of that other training that you do for people ongoing after onboarding? Uh, so we have leveraged some external providers to come in and, and uh, give us some uh, sales training generally. Um, some of it is uh, sales psychology as well, which is really useful. So how do you understand what type of person you're sitting across and how do I how do I adjust my tact to make sure that I'm delivering a message in a way that you're going to want to receive it? Um, so if I'm speaking to a hyper-analytical person, I probably want to use some data and some facts to, to bring them along for the ride, whereas... Um, People in the opposite, maybe I just want to use some high-level information and, and not get too down into the weeds when it comes to data. So um, just being able to identify that person that sat across from you and, and adjust your messaging accordingly is, is because, really important. Because you're certainly dealing with uh, the financial services world where people, you know, they're type A people, they're, you know, they know what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like giving them what they want. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, another question from Oliver: Average ramp time for a new FDR. Uh, so uh, we we look at about four to six weeks um, from for an onboarding process. Uh, we'd like to get people in front of clients within their first sort of month and a half, um, and, and start getting them producing. Um, at, a, at a junior level, we we kind of have them along for the ride with some of our more senior sales reps and supporting our more senior sales reps so that they uh, they get exposure to what good looks like. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, an opportunity to sort of take some of those tools that they're learning just by being there and listening and observing uh, and adapt into their own style and come up with their own sort of script. As and, the, they go. and the accreditation process you have, which is almost like a tick saying, you can now present our products to, to, we, to we feel confident that you can go on your own and, and show our product to that, people. And that process is quite interesting. It's quite a it, it's it's quite a full on process for the person going through, would you say? I would say so, yeah. But from what you told me before, it can be quite a full on process. But it sounds like it's it's a process that it obviously works because it kind of filters out the people who aren't really meant to be there, maybe right or haven't had enough training, whatever it is. Um, maybe you want to talk how you do that so so with the demo process it's, it's really um put together a demonstration and give it to the rest of your peers and and your peers will give you feedback after that process so it's it's a, a simulation of a potential real deal uh scenario um and they need to present based on um that scenario and um because they're doing it in front of their peers their peers who have been through this process um, and know how stressful it is to present, this is going to be the hardest audience that you're ever going to have to please because after that fact, it's just talking to customers that haven't actually been through this process of accreditation. Um, so we, we think if you can get through that your colleagues that uh, have been there, done that, then um, that's going to be easily the toughest audience you're going to, you're going to see. We have a question from our CEO, actually. Okay. He asked about churn rate for the sales team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, don't, you don't want to share the number, but if you could give us a range. I actually don't know the churn rate. It's, it's not super high. We, no, we're, we're, we're quite a lucky organization. We've got um, a lot of stickiness in our sales organization. So it's great. Annually, just one or two people. I'd say it's around there, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Nice. I guess just great management. 
Do we have any other questions on training? There was there was a question on on any sales um, engagement, engagement tools. So using so you've obviously got Salesforce, Sierra, and what other tools are you using sort of for the sales team? Uh, they, do they have like um, do they have a, a CTI in Salesforce? Do they have any uh, basically anything else plugged in Salesforce that's um, helping them with their process? Maybe some because I, I know you're. You're not using necessarily high-velocity sales mm-hmm. tools, but are you, uh, are you using any? So we, we have um, a tool called Leadspace, which is uh, plugged into the Salesforce, which just gives us a little bit more information about uh, either the contact or the so account. It and it, it, exactly. So it fleshes out some of the, the, the information that we have uh, around those, those records. Okay. So no, like, I, I know that we have platforms like Outreach and Failplot that empower salespeople mm-hmm. to do more. We're not using those. Uh, so our inside sales team, our, our, our BDR team, are using, I believe, a sales lock, um, but that's kind of separate from, from my team. So um, we use that as a, as a lead generation tool for sure. Yeah, got it. Cool. Uh, any more questions? We good? Sweet. Um, anything else on training, Henry? I think we covered it off. Yeah, I think we covered it off. Cool. Yeah, it was interesting. Before the um, part of the training process, you, you have a session of clicking buttons and saying what they do. Mm-hmm. And across the entire product, and I quite like that as, as a just a quick onboarding to check people's knowledge. Yeah, it's like just like a knowledge checker. Yeah. So, so prior to their demonstration, it is it is literally, can you show me how to do this in the platform? Right. Um, it's not a sales sort of uh, polished presentation. It's can you add a user? Can you send an invite? Things like that. Just to say, just to get a general idea, do they understand the full functionality of, of the platform? Yeah. Um, and then from there, take that understanding of the functionality now. How do I become a storyteller to make this relevant and um, contextualize it for the audience that I present that against it? Yeah. And would you have more questions? Oh, uh, yeah. So it, uh, I'm not sure about that one. Is there one particular mythical slash unicorn metric or data point that you would love to achieve from Oliver? That's a great question, actually. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. Okay. Oliver will think about it, and then if we get an answer, we'll email it to you. To achieve. Okay. <laughs> That's one to think about for sure. Okay. We're not good at that question. Um, cool. So I, I think the final agenda point is about something that Henry was very... Yeah, I, I call it opportunity roles. So and it's part of your sales process. I thought it was just... It's, I thought it's fascinating because I've, I've not heard anyone else who does this, and it's because it's so relationship-based what you do. So maybe you want yeah. to talk, talk through. Yeah, so do you have a different name for it other than opportunity roles? Um, uh, we can go with that. It's really just about grading uh, relationship levels with, with contacts. So we, we look at, and again, this goes back to the mapping of accounts, um, understanding who is there in the universe of that account, um, and then having a, a, a real honest look at what myself as a seller has as a relationship with those individuals. So um, we grade them from, from A to, to D. Uh, an A relationship is someone who's a, an advocate for us, who's going to push for us to, to um, win business with them every time. Whereas a D is someone who's a detractor. They, they, they have a preference for somebody else. They don't want to work with us. And so um, by mapping out those accounts and understanding all of the individuals within an account, and whether or not they're an A to a D, and obviously you have the middle ground of B and C, how do I identify who those Ds are, move them to a C, move them to a B, 
Um, if I get into a sticky sales process where I need a little bit of help, well, then I know who my A's are and I can leverage those relationships to help maybe potentially push a deal over the line. Who judges what letter they get? The salesperson themselves. So the salesperson themselves have to really uh, be honest. own that yeah. and be honest to themselves because yeah. when they get into a scenario where they need a little bit of help to push something over the line, they they can't have a list of A's that are, are really C's mm-hmm. and not get any help from them. So it's it's really just about being honest with yourself and your relationships with your clients. I think, I think it's something all sales all sales process use and could learn from is that you always need a champion somewhere. Yeah, and it, you just it just happens that you grade your champions and use them as part of the process. And 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 uh, it's about identifying if if you you know if an A leaves a, an, an account and goes somewhere else, well then do you have someone to backfill that role sure. and be your champion going forward? Sure. Um, and how do you move people that are Bs and Cs and, and bring them up to becoming an A level relationship? Why would some so why would someone be an active detractor? Um, stronger relationships with a competitor, preference for a competitor's platform. Um, sometimes it's just down to price, um, right. things like that. Um, and so it's it's about understanding why they are a D um, and trying to bring them bring them up to a, a higher grade. So if I was a salesperson and I had like three Ds on an account, mm-hmm. would I like reach out to all them and be like, should we go for dinner and cocktails? Yeah, I, I, I don't think entertaining would be a bad idea necessarily um, to, to get them out and understand um, why they have a preference for, for going yeah. elsewhere, um, get an opportunity to potentially um, show them the product as well and, and show them what the benefits of, of moving across would, would look like. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that face-to-face interaction and it is yeah. very much a relationship sell. So making sure you build that relationship with them is going to help sort of guide them from a a D to a, hopefully a C or B, right? As I did the cocktail, that's it. Yeah. Uh, here's a really good question. Um, if an SDR or first person leaves, how do you transition relationships, say, from the, the, the entities to somebody else? Is there a person? Um, it, yeah, so uh, obviously we, we, we try and mitigate that risk by having uh, multiple people covering accounts um, so that there's um, a, a continuity of coverage mm-hmm. if somebody does leave. Um, usually we have a notice period as well where we will we'll ask that they'll start to make introductions, transition any outstanding opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, um, to help guide whoever's going to be taking on that account into yeah. uh, the knowledge that they're sitting on as well. Sure. Great. Um, okay, Josh, how are we doing time? Um, I do have one more question, and you might have some more. Um, is there anyone else in the sales ops space that you like really? They think crushes, and you like learn to all look up to. Apart from Alex Williams, I think I think just Alex Williams, yeah. Uh, and maybe we should get Alex Williams on the show. I think he's next, yeah. Right. Um, I've got. Some yeah, I've got a question. So, um, what traits do you look for in a salesperson? If you're going to hire someone, what are you looking for? Um, so, a colleague of mine actually gave me a, a, a tip where he said, if if I can spend the next five hours in a, in a car journey with this rep, then I think they'll be a, a good rep. So we can teach them anything that they need to know about our, our customers, our product, um, the community in, in, into which we sell, um, but they have to be personable, they have to be likable, you have to want to engage with them because ours is very much a relationship yeah. and sale. So if I can't build a relationship with this person, I probably won't want to buy from them either. So 
can I go on a, on a road trip with this person and spend five hours in a car and, and not want to yeah, just so do you Do you care very much if you receive someone's CV that they don't have financial services experience or is that desirable? You know, what are you looking for? I think it helps, um, particularly when, you know, it, it allows them to have some context around why what we do is important to, to the ecosystem that we serve. Um, but it's not essential. It's something that, that can be taught. Um, everything about what we do, I think, from the platform to our customers, um, how we engage with customers, we can teach that. But um, personality is not something necessarily to be sure. taught. I have some photos to no, jump in. Rajesh is very enthusiastic about forecasting. Um, he would love to know more about how you forecast. Excel has exponential smoothing function, but I still have a leeway of 10% delta, which actuals with our sales. What is the best tool or way of building forecasting on Excel? Um, that's a great question. We, I mean, because of the short sell cycle that we have, um, our forecasting is incredibly short term. So we know what opportunities we have open in the pipe uh, will likely close one way or another very quickly. Um, so as opposed to sort of um, looking at what's in our pipeline to predict what our forecast is looking like, we use historical averages around what the M&A space is telling us is going to happen in the month of February. Over the last five years, on average, February has this number of deals in the market, and that gives us an idea of, based on our market share or our, our anticipated market share, what we're going to get out of that. Out of that you've got decades worth of your own data that you can also exactly. analyze. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we sort of say we know that this is the growth rate year over year. Here's what we did last year. So this is sort of our anticipated project count. And weren't you saying that the, the number of deals is kind of flatlined, but uh, revenue or growth from Elbow has increased, which means that you're gaining market share? That's, that's the idea, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Must be down to the great. Right. Very quickly around Brexit, is it having any impact in the marketplace? Uh, it's certainly slowing the MA community a little bit, um, but we're still seeing people uh, being active doing deals, which is great for us. Um, but I think the uncertainty has led to um, a little bit of a stall. Uh, in, in kicking off new deals. Transactions are there waiting in the wings for a, a determination of which way Brexit is going to go. Um, there's just a reluctance, I think, to kick off some of those processes until uh, there's a little more clarity on what's going to happen. Great. Anything else you'd like to add? Boys? I think that's, that's fair. No more questions, Henry? Final word? Um, no, well, no more questions from me, but just thank you so much, everyone, for attending. And mm -hmm. thanks to Justin for, thank being, for having me. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. Thank you. Um, did we talking about anyone we've got on next week? Oh, yeah, so we, we do have, I don't know, should we announce it? It's up to you. So we have Rory from Clufter, um, who is joining us 5 p.m. next Thursday. We'll either be going to his office or we might do it on a call. Um, and so we'll be distributing a page for anybody who's interested uh, in attending that from next week. Uh, and then moving forward, we'll probably have every week somebody come on and do a similar chat. It's this style of content people enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, so there's Alex, who we're potentially going to get on. Yeah, we should probably get Alex and Kirsty on. Did you ask Alex this question? No, no, I don't know if I should. God, come on, you can't say that. These people want the question. Well, Alex, Alex's question to you in is, um, is how can how can you be a sales manager with no sales experience? 
That's a great question. <laughs> um, I, I think it comes back to, again, uh, my sales operations experience of being very process-focused, uh, analytical, looking at the metrics for success rather than, uh, you know, I can coach around some of the, the soft skills of sales because I've uh, been around a sales organization for the majority of my career, just not actively selling. Um, so I, I think I have a, an idea of what good looks like, um, but definitely leveraging um, the more analytical side of things to you know, understand what the metrics of success look like and measuring against those things, I think has really helped me as a, as a sales manager. You'll have, to think Thanks, yeah, you'll have to think of some questions. I'll, I'll be sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that concludes the third Sales Up Demystified. Justin, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank we'll you. see. Oh, yeah, I forgot the main slide. Um, if anybody has any questions, if you're in the MA community or MA space um, and you're about to do a deal and you don't want to use Google Drive, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you don't. You don't. <laughs> Um, you should email Justin. Um, and we haven't really spoken about Esther, but if you want to know anything about Esther, you can email me on those two email addresses. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, so much. And we will see you at the same time next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.